Welcome to everyone who's listening, uh, wherever you are. Um, And um, I have to say that the opinions expressed here are solely mine and those of the guests on my show. But we have a great program for you today. Uh, Anthony Rico is going to speak with us. Uh, But first, let me tell you this. As you hear me say every week, law is powerful. It can help you or it can hurt you. It impacts everything you do. What you don't know can hurt you, and what you do know can empower you. Each week, Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell brings you lawyers and other professionals to share their knowledge and expertise with you. My goal is to empower you. But remember, what you hear on this program is for information purposes only. No attorney-client relationship is established by anything said. Each circumstances are different, and you must seek individual counsel for any situation for which you need legal advice. All of our programs are archived on lawtalkwithethelmitchell.com. So if you missed a program, go there. And the programs are posted by my webmaster, Earl Hooks. I'm broadcasting from New York City. My executive producer, Stacy Royster, is in Washington, D.C. And my radio engineer, Daryl Farley, they are ready to receive your call. So please call in if you have questions at 1-800-450-7876. 7876. Let's get started with today's program. Criminal lawyers are often quite unpopular because they represent people accused of very serious crimes. And those persons often face dire and, in some circumstances, fatal uh, outcomes as potentials. The lawyer that we have as a guest today is, it's kind of hard to say an expert, but he certainly is, an expert on federal death penalty cases. He has done a lot of them, and he's going to share his expertise with us. Let me tell you a little bit about attorney Anthony L. Rico. He specializes in state and federal criminal defense litigation, particularly capital defense litigation. He is a 1978 graduate of Adelphi University and a 1981 Northeastern University School of Law graduate. He comes from Harlem, where he still lives. He has represented clients in federal death prosecutions throughout the country. Um, He was named Attorney of the Year, in 2008 by the Metropolitan Black Bar Association, the United States Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit, and the American Ends of Court awarded Mr. Rico its Professionalism Award in 2009. And he was, he's also been appointed to the Federal Death Penalty Resource Council Project in Frankfort, Kentucky. In 2010, Mr. Rico was accepted as a fellow in the American College of Trial Lawyers in January of 2012. The New York State Bar Association honored him with its Outstanding Criminal Defense Attorney Award. 
During his career, Mr. Rico has handled numerous high-profile and controversial cases, including the World Trade Center bombing conspiracy case, the U.S. Embassy bombing case, the U.S. versus Osama bin Laden et al. Uh, he was also counsel for uh, – he has also been counsel for several police officers accused of, of killing people, shooting people, and he's been counsel for people accused of shooting police. Okay, very good. You also clerked for, for a judge that was fairly famous, too, didn't you, when you came out of law school? Yes, I came out of law school, and I worked a clerk for a Judge Bruce McMarion Wright, uh-huh. probably one of the smartest African-American people I've ever met. He was villainized mm-hmm. by the uh, the press and by uh, Mayor Koch at the time. He was called Turn em Loose Bruce. And mm-hmm. he, got that na- he got that name because Judge Wright saw to it that African-American people were accorded the same rights as everyone else uh, had mm-hmm. for the badge. And by doing that, he became a lightning rod for for backlash and anger by the police department and by the mayor and others who recognized then that the criminal justice system was really used by a tool as a tool in society to keep African-American people in check, not to mm-hmm. see that people right. So that mm-hmm. started with Judge Wright. Um, that was really the beginning of my career. And, and, and it was really Judge Wright who got me going in this direction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you became determined to provide top-notch criminal defense for people who were accused of crimes. You became a criminal defense lawyer. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Okay. And, okay. You know, it, mm-hmm. and, and, um, and so I really started very slowly. And, you know, mm-hmm. a very interesting thing I have to tell you. <clears throat> you know, I came out of law school. I went to college on a Malcolm X scholarship. Um, I came because Judge Wright saw to it that African-American people were accorded the same rights as everyone else uh, had mm-hmm. for the badge. And by doing that, he became a lightning rod for for backlash and anger by the police department and by the mayor and others who recognized then that the criminal justice system was really used by a tool, as a tool in society to keep African-American people in check, not to mm-hmm. share that people's rights. So that mm-hmm. started with Judge Wright. Um, that was really the beginning of my career, and 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 it was really Judge Wright who got me going in this direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you became determined to provide top-notch criminal defense for people who were accused of crimes. You became a criminal defense lawyer. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Okay. And, okay. You know, it, mm-hmm. and and um. And so I really started very slowly. And, you know, mm-hmm. a very interesting thing I have to tell you. <clears throat> you know, I came out of law school. I went to college during a Malcolm X scholarship. Um, mm-hmm. I, came, I went to law school. I came out of law school. I worked for Judge Wright. And after leaving Judge Wright, I, like most other African Americans, nobody would hire me. Um, ah. And, and mm-hmm. you're sure. And, 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 and so... You know, we thought at that time, well, look, all we had to do was get our degree and our education, and, you know, the doors of society would open. Well, mm-hmm. 30 years ago, we thought that, but that was not the reality. And I so I, I ended up um, 
practicing law, I worked for a judge who had a high legal standard. And mm-hmm. what I learned from Judge Wright was commitment to the effort, hard work, and excellence. And I always wanted to live up to the standard uh, that Judge Wright set and placed for me. And, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I took that into even the most, what you would call, insignificant uh, criminal cases. And from that, mm-hmm. it just developed one step after the other. Mhm. Mhm. So, would you? And we'll get back to the the the. I want people to call in if they have questions about criminal defense to one eight hundred four five zero seven eight seven six. But uh, what would you say to anyone who has a young child listening, uh, who uh, maybe doesn't have any money, but has aspirations of doing something good for the community? Would you recommend that they take this up as a profession? I mean. Criminal defense work? I mean, law, yes. I'm always trying to get more people to go into law. Uh, white or black, for that matter. But criminal defense in particular, is is that something that you 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 would tell other people to do? Yes, uh, absolutely. I, I, would, um, I would encourage any African-American to, first of all, go to law school. We mm-hmm. as African-Americans and Latino and other minorities in this country the rights that we enjoy in this country have only come from the courts. They weren't given to us. Um, they were struck. They were fought in the streets and and developed and sanctioned by courts. And so, when an African American person decides that they want to get a legal education, well, they're really going to get an education about our history in this country, and they're going to be equipped with a tool set that allows them to go out here and do something about what they see and experience on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we look at what's going on with Stop and Frisk, and we look at what's going on with all of these police shootings of unarmed suspects. These situations affect us tremendously. But with a legal mm-hmm. education, you could get out here and do something about it. Do something you know, about it, right. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. I, yes, I would encourage a young African-American, a young, a young anybody, Get a legal education living in America. Know your rights. Because the rights yeah. you don't know will definitely be used against you every step of the yes. way. That's for sure. That's for sure. And and, and and I do want to say this is true for everybody. Black, white, right. Latino, you know, uh, Indian, Asian, uh, whatever. Uh, all of us. All of us need to know about these things. So let's get specifically to criminal defense and then... What are the, the, the things that people need to know if you are you are accused of a crime? What's the what are what are the most important elements that, that a lay person uh in, in interacting with 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 the police at whatever level it is needs to know, please. You you, you know, Elsie, that's a that's a great question and I'm gonna tell you something. In my view, it comes down to knowing three basic fundamental rights. One is that you have a right to a lawyer. Two, you have a right not to be interrogated, which means keep your mouth shut. And three, you have have freedom from unlawful searches. So you shouldn't be agreeing to to allowing the police to search your car, search you, or search your home. Get a warrant. They'll say, well, we'll be out here all day. Well, we'll sit here all day. Um, Mm -hmm. In terms of Mm -hmm. the Fifth Amendment, you have a right uh, to be free from self-incrimination. And so you shouldn't be saying anything. You should be saying, hey, 
I want my lawyer. And what do you need a lawyer for? Blah, 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 and all the rest of that. Let them finish talking. And when they finish talking, say, I want a lawyer. So three things. What your rights are to be free from illegal search and seizure, Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment to keep your mouth shut, and Sixth Amendment right to counsel. So those are the three components of it. And we see those played out here in New York, for example, in the controversial New York City Police Department style of stop and frisk. And most of the people who are stopped don't know their rights. Now, but this is, if we make it kind of take those and bring it home, you know what happens with us, is, particularly as African Americans, we are so angered and bitter by the pattern of policing in our communities that have gone on for decades. When the police interact with us, we're angry. And we're legitimately so angry. We're annoyed. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're, we're amping up the situation just because of the history. And so mm-hmm. my, my, my recommendation to people is something that, would, you know, my father told me when I was a kid. So I always try to remain calm, cool, and collected. You know, mm-hmm. you know don't, don't play into the zone they want you to play into. What, if, what do you want? No. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. Use your eyes to take down the name and the badge number. Um, mm-hmm. You know, understand that this person really has a very limited contact with you. What expands his authority is your reaction. Ah, you, that's a good point. Limit, that's a very good point. If you, right. If you limit that initial counter, they can't take a step forward legitimately. And then, of mm-hmm. course, you never know who's watching to back you up. Today there's cameras all over the place. Yeah, um, that's helping. So, and so, so that's a very important thing. The basics, you know, they come knocking on your door talking about they want to come in your house, go get a warrant. Um, mm-hmm. so why we got to go get a warrant? What are you hiding? Don't answer that question. I said go get a warrant. You're not coming in here. Plain and simple. Mm-hmm. And, and then you mm-hmm. got to be prepared to wait it out. Um, mm-hmm. You really have to be prepared to say, hey, you know what? I'm willing to sit here. You're telling me I have to sit here for an hour? I'll sit here for an hour to protect my rights. Because mm-hmm. we have to remember and understand. We're sitting there for an hour, but our, our forefathers took ass whoopings, church bombings, oh, yeah. beatings, oh, yeah. so that we can mm-hmm. have those rights. And yeah. so we shouldn't be so quick or annoyed to give them up. Uh-huh. So knowledge of the rights, the history yeah. of how we got to where we are today, helps mm-hmm. you control that situation. Now, there are events right. that are outside of your control. We could talk about with the unarmed shooting of civilians. Look, if somebody's going to shoot you, they're going to shoot you. But I'm not I'm not giving you no authority or reason to do it. You're going to be committing cold-blooded murder. And I'm praying that somebody's watching or something. But I'm not going to mm-hmm. play into a scenario that, that we already know these officers are quick to jump to, which is to exercise excessive force against any person of color, be it mm-hmm. a senior citizen, or with Tamir Rice, a 12-year-old boy. Hello? Welcome to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. Yes, hello, this is Sandra. Yes, Sandra, how are you? Oh, fine, thank you. I'm so glad that you have this gentleman in there today. Uh Now, my question, if I might ask, one of them is, what does he feel uh, is going to happen to Mr. Albert Wood Fox. He's supposed to have been out in this uh, the state 
that's holding him. I, I don't know if it's New York or what, but they're holding him and they will not let him out. And then the second thing is um, when he's telling us about the uh, these um, the ten first ten uh, what do you call the first ten parts of the uh, Constitution. I think it's very important to know that due to the fact that many of our children don't get uh, any of that in high school anymore. And I believe that this is why so many of them uh, don't know their rights. Uh, they don't even know the okay. importance. You know the importance of the Constitution. May I hold on okay. and listen, please? Oh, oh, please do listen. Please do listen. And, and just before Attorney Rico answers uh, or responds, I want to uh, remind listeners that uh, we last year we had – uh, the, the past president of COBOL, which is the uh, National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives, on the program. And he, along with other lawyers we've had on, has, has, has have, uh, told us about COBOL, which you can find online, does uh, seminars, they come to schools, they come to churches. Uh, they come to organizations. It's a free service by black law enforcement executives and police officers who will come to your school, to your organizations, to your clubs, and teach children how to interact with the law. And mm-hmm. that's an important service that they offer, and I would like people to take them up on it. I mean, they, they the uh, uh, Chief Dixon who's head of the St. Petersburg Police Department, chief of it, was on last year, and he talked about how they will come and they will set up uh, arrangements where, you know, if you they'll have like four kids in a car and the cop stops you. What, do, what are you supposed to do? What do you say? How do you deal with the officers and so on? So that's an important service that I want people around the country to know about. You can find them online. The National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives, and they will come and 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 teach your children how to behave and how to act when they're stopped by the police. I just wanted to get that in, uh, Attorney. We can tell us now to get out of the jail. (laughs) I think I have to let Mr. Rico now respond to your question, please. Thank you, Mm ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You know. The caller points to a very important uh, reality, and mm-hmm. that reality is attached to this. We learn very little about ourselves in these schools. We, mm-hmm. we, we have to fight to get African-American studies or history in school, and there are many of us of a certain age, there was no such thing as an African-American class about anything during our time oh, yeah. education process. So what mm-hmm. does it come down to? It's really up to us. We mm-hmm. have to be, as a part of our parenting, we have to equip our children about the law, at least the basics yeah. of the law. What basic rights do we have in this society and why it is that it is important for them to understand that they have rights. Now, mind you, let's say a child grows up in an affluent white family. Well, their parents don't have to tell them about be careful for stop and frisk. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Because, see, in the history of this country, there have been no white unarmed children shot and killed by black policemen. It's never happened. But in this country, with Clifford Glover, 
to direct our concern. And it could be something as simple as send a card to the defense lawyer, uh, write to the person mm-hmm. ejected, or write to the family. For example, I'm an adult. Look, we all had kids. Mm-hmm. How many of us have written to Tamir Rice's mom? No, oh, that's a good point. You know, these things are not going to get us on Oprah Winfrey. I mean, we ain't going to be on TV. But yeah, we're not doing that. We're not doing it for that reason. Mm-hmm. We want people to know that, hey, we care, we're concerned. Mm-hmm. That letter coming from you, caller, to to, Mrs., to Tamir Rice's mom mm-hmm. or to this man sitting out of Alabama, you'd be surprised how powerful a message that that will be. It's the kind of thing that keeps them going and to keep them strong. So that's you know, important. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. good point. Very good point. Thank you. Thank you, Attorney Rico. Thank you, Sandra, for calling in. Thank you. Those are those are excellent points. Uh I also want to add that uh there is a um the National Bar Association, which is the National Black Bar Association, actually, but it's called the National Bar Association. It's having uh, uh, sessions all over the country called Know Your Rights. And uh, uh, President Pamela Means uh, has been on the program, uh, and she's talked about this. You can Google it. She's been in Chicago and a lot of different cities around the country where they are having open, uh, you know, public uh, 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 gatherings with lawyers who are there for the purpose of teaching people their rights. So that's something else you know, that the public can look into and attend. Yes, Attorney Rico? Yeah, that's right. You know, Pamela is an outstanding lawyer and a real person. Yes, Christian. she is. You know, I participated in one of those programs that was done here in Harlem. Oh, okay. Uh, and it was put together, and it was a packed house. Very and there good. was a lot of frustration a lot of anger being expressed or understandable, but in a small way, we, you know, we felt that we made some progress. One, uh-huh. it allowed people to know that they're lawyers who care, um, mm-hmm. that there are people out there that they can connect with, and that some of these issues have solutions, but they're tough. And uh, mm-hmm. so you're right. The, the NBA does it. Um, I was a part of one of the programs they did here in New York in the fall, and it was uh, very well received. It was up at the Minnesota Townhouse in Harlem. Um, mm-hmm. And then, then you also have uh, a lot of lawyers just in their own practices. You know, I, I've been impressed. You know, I've been practicing over 30 years, and there's like a generation of, of young lawyers that are coming up. They're outstanding. Um, mm-hmm. There's a great great young lawyer in Brooklyn by the name of Kim Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Born and raised in Brownsville, um, practices in the community, a high level of legal representation with a strong sense of, uh, you know, of our history. Uh, there's another young lawyer, Xavier Donaldson. I, I could go on. Um, mm-hmm. What happens sometimes is that because we don't control the mainstream media, we get the sense of frustration and isolation. All we hear about is the problems, but we never mm-hmm. hear about um, people are out here making a difference. So that's why, like, for example, this show is so important. 
Because mm-hmm. th- this is the vehicle by which hey, somebody in another part of the country found out I'm a person like myself. You yes. know, a, you yes. know, a kid who grew up throwing rocks that taught us, you know, who's now a lawyer. How did mm-hmm. people, people want to know, how did that happen? How, mm-hmm. what, what do I do with my son and my daughter? And, yes. um, and so this kind of vehicle and others provides people with a sense of hope. Um, yes. know, when Jesse ran for, pre- for president in 1984, he ran on a slogan that said, let's keep hope alive. And people yes. thought that was just sort of like a jingle. You know, Jesse recognized then the power of hope. Mm-hmm. And when we see our young people, let's say in Baltimore and in Chicago and in Ferguson, the thing that is, that is powerful about this situation is they losing hope. And then, oh. but these are our kids, and so we need yeah, to be about happen. we need to be about the business of reintroducing them to something that, let's say, your grandmother taught you, my grandparents taught me, from nothing which is hope about what the future can bring. And and so, you know, that's why I'm happy to do this program this morning. Well, that's why the program got started, that people, I I, I recognize that lay people who only meet lawyers when they're in trouble, Mm -hmm. they only only come to lawyers, uh, even even non-criminal situations, Usually, you know, it's a negative situation. You, you, you're in a divorce, domestic violence, you're in a, a business transaction that went bad, uh, you know, a fight over something or the other. That's when most people interact with lawyers. Uh, and even business people interact with lawyers often do so only because they feel they have to. It's a, it's a preventative rather than a positive. And there's so much that lawyers can do that are that is positive, that is 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 uh empowering and and there's so much information, just like what you just said, and I want you to repeat again, is what you should do if you interact with the police. That's just basic law that people need to know. And that's the whole purpose of this program. That is to tell people what the law really provides in our country so that they can make use of it for their own benefit in their everyday lives, in their everyday lives. Uh, It's important, and it makes a huge difference whether you know or you don't know. What you don't know really can hurt you. It really can. Hello. Uh, Good morning. Good morning. What is your question, sir? Hello. I'm actually phoning from outside the U.S., I like to contribute oh. to this debate. Okay, where are you calling from? If you don't mind telling us. I, no, I don't mind at all. I'm calling from London, England. All right. Okay. Well, welcome, welcome. And your name, sir? My name is Paul. Okay, and Paul. What is your question, please? Well, um, can I make a, a, a comment and then ask a question, please? Yes. Yes. Okay. Not too long, though. Yes. Uh huh. Um. You were just talking about the relationship between young people and the police. Um, and um, the, um, your, the, your lawyer um, guest made a reference to um, the stop and frisk. And it reminded me of something we experienced in London um, some while. I grew up during the 70s 
And um, there was something we had called um, stop and search, and it was commonly referred to as the SUS law, uh, where police were allowed to stop you if they believed that you, uh, under suspicious circumstances, they didn't have to have any evidence that you've done anything wrong. They could just um, stop you and search you. Um, Wow. that caused a great deal of problems because obviously a lot of the members of the black community, especially young black males, were targeted. Um, it eventually ended up in some um, riots which took place within London, um, and after which you had the um, people intervene, like different groups, pressure groups, which tried to change the law. Um, anyway, the long and short of it was is that um, laws were introduced to um, hold back the um, so-called sus laws, they were they were actually they were actually repelled. Um, so we no Very longer the police, the police weren't allowed to stop and search you um, if they had no reasonable grounds to do so. Um, so that that was that was during the, when when I grew up during the seventies. Um, now I'm I'm just a little concerned about the argument which I hear. Um, how young people need to conduct themselves when dealing with police. And the reason why I say that, because I remember growing up during those times, my parents um, came to this country as, as, as children. They came from the Caribbean. And we were told, just like your, your, um, your guest says, we were told how to get from A to B. But the reality was that when we was out on the street, sometimes the um, young police officers who would approach us approached us in a very hostile manner, in a very rude and arrogant manner, and that caused us to re- react back in that manner. Whether we, we, we were told by parents to, you know, try and keep calm or whatever, you know? So what I'm saying to you, the point I'm trying to make is that um, I think it's now the duty of the adults and the lawyers and the different pressure groups to, to make changes within the law um, as opposed That's right. to... The, you know, the caller that's calling from London, I, yes, I don't mean uh-huh. to cut you all up, but that caller, that's the beauty of this show, is that you have mm-hmm. somebody contributing to London, and he is making is a amazing. great point. Now, mm-hmm. I want to I assure the caller of the following. I'm under no illusion that because my kid knows his rights, he can't be brutalized or shot down in the streets. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. The, the problem that we have with this excessive police use of force has nothing to do with what these young people are doing. These are all police excesses. And your call is absolutely right. We just didn't get to it yet, Elf. But okay. <laughs> here in New York, stop and frisk as, as conducted by the New York City Police Department was stopped just like in London, and I'm very familiar with the circumstances the call is discussing. Lawyers took it on, but not just lawyers. That case involved community activists, lawyers, and people in the community who were willing to take time from their jobs and their circumstances to allow themselves to be plaintiffs in this lawsuit. And the caller is right. The fight is with the policy. The policymakers and how they have the policy implemented. But we're just saying, at the same time, be, try to remain as calm as you can. Mm-hmm. As I said earlier, that's not going to stop you from getting shot. If you're dealing with somebody mm-hmm. who's going to shoot you, you know, the, if, if you remember 
and the caller may be able to get it on YouTube. There's the there's the young guy down in in, in the gas station in South Carolina, and the cop tells him, "Give me your your license and registration." He leans over to give the cop the license and registration, and the cop starts shooting. And we see the kid on videotape with his hands up, saying, "Why are you shooting me?" And the guy is just shooting away at him. Oh my God. There's nothing that that young man could have done to stop that shooting. And even when the police officer was shooting him down, he still said, sir, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? And it was just a horrific situation. But caller, listen, you're right on point. Look, you're all the way over there in England, but you got your eye right squarely where we are. Where we are on this issue is that we got to raise the level of uh, activism and the level of community involvement with lawyers and our pastors. Like here in New York, we have the great uh, uh, pastor at Abyssinia Baptist Church, Reverend Butts, and others who are less known but who are involved to sort of come up with ways to undo the policy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I, and I, and I want to really make this point because this is always used against us. Well, if you all just act right, these, these, this wouldn't happen. No, these situations have nothing to do with what the people did. These, we're talking about the unarmed shooting of people, the excessive force against people. Remember, between 2004 and 2011, the New York City Police Department stopped 4.4 million people Illegally, four point million million people were stopped between 2006 and 2011, and so the, the enormity of this has nothing to do with knowing your rights. Call is exactly right, right on point. Yeah. It's just something that we can say to ourselves so that we get a sense of of of, of arming ourselves. Now, what happens? You're talking to your kid about it. Then you're talking to your neighbor about it. And two neighbors are talking with someone else about it. And then we start something called activism. And then we begin to look at ways to deal with the, the, the heart of the issue, which is the, the way in which people perceive that, you know, we're not entitled to the same rights um, that other, uh, other people are. And, of course, it's mm-hmm. historical. It goes back to Sanford. And it goes all the way back to Sanford versus Scott, 1850 decision. That said blacks had no rights by which any white person was bound to respect. And here we are, 150, 160 years later, still fighting the same fight. And that fight mm-hmm. is to get dignity and respect living in society and to be free from un- excessive and unwarranted police force and discrimination mm-hmm. and everything else. You know, the criminal right. justice system is one of those places where it's a barometer for where we are in terms of race history. You know, when President Obama is elected, everybody's like Jubilee, oh, we now live in a new era, post-racial, well, that was a term for it, only to find out that these people did everything they could to subvert his presidency. And, mm-hmm. the, and the level of, of police uh, aggressiveness intensified. So while at the one hand, the New York Times wanted to herald in this new era of uh, racial tolerance, what the criminal justice system showed us is that we still dealing with the same old demon. Mm-hmm. But I like the caller's point. The caller was right on point. Mm-hmm. 
Can mm-hmm. can can I add to okay. that? Uh, just very um, briefly, because we're we're almost through. Yes, yes, very quickly. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah um, your guest has picked up uh, quite correctly on what I'm saying. Yeah, the, what I was, the last thing I'll say is this: that you got to remember, and I'll ask you, everybody who's listening, this to remember that with the use of this technology, this episode is going out to the world. This is going out to the world, and there, there's a saying that when America catches the cop, when America sneezes, the rest of the world catches a cold. And this episode <laughs> is taking place to black people, is going out to the world. And something something needs to change. Some, some mm-hmm. serious, drastic law changes, you know. And if, if, if need be, it needs to be taken on the world stage so that, so that this sets an example because this is setting a bad, bad picture. Sure, no, I, I, I really Thank appreciate you. Thank that. you, Carl. Yeah. That's what I, I want to tell you. It's just inspiring for me as a lawyer to hear from him. It is. Because I, look, I don't know him. Look, I don't know him. We live thousands of miles apart. But can you imagine? Here we are living in a world where people are focusing on the same issue. This injustice yeah. that we experience in here is very, very real. Uh, and it's going to take a high-level response. I really appreciate that call. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's really quite quite something. You know, what? I want you to repeat the steps that you said earlier so that we get that firmly fixed in everyone's mind. What should you do if you are confronted by the police? What should you do? Please repeat that for my audience. So everybody in the country, maybe even in the world, what is the language that should be used? Uh, uh, what you know? What does the law allow you to do, not to do, to say, and not to say? Because I'm a believer that the more you know, the better you do. And so the more of us that know and do what the law allows you to do, hopefully it will help more and more people to stay out of jail. Just stay out of jail. Just, you know, the bottom line is to have a sense of history you know, and law. Off, but, uh-huh. the, the bottom line is remain cool, calm, and collective. You know, yes. you can you tr- do the best you can to control the situation. Mm-hmm. And if that means calm, uh, yeah, I used to study martial arts. There are a lot of mm-hmm. ways to beat your opponent. And sometimes mm-hmm. you're calm. You try to remain calm. Um, so mm-hmm. and remember, don't agree to allow yourself to be searched, even if you have to stay there all day. Remember mm-hmm. that you have a right to a lawyer, and you can ask mm-hmm. for a lawyer. Um, mm-hmm. and, and remember, they don't have a right to start going through your bag. And if they do, you don't ever say yes. You never sign a piece of paper. I have to tell you, Ethel, even though we tell people this, case after case after case, people get in custody, they're afraid, they're intimidated. And the police know it, and they use that to their advantage. So remain right. calm. Um, try to try to control the situation as best you can. You know that this situation can get very bad quick. And so mm-hmm. knowing that, you almost have to say, okay, what am I going to do to prevent that from happening? Now, I'm not saying you go complying and, you know, drop, drop down on your knees. I'm just saying that what you do is you try to remain as collective as, as you can. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. preaching and saying that. 
I can tell you a couple of weeks ago, I'm going on the 125th Street subway. I'm on my way to court. I have young Fedora, Hadler, lawyer. I'm going on that subway. Uh-huh. There's there very few people that go on that train look like that look like me in the morning. I uh-huh. go down the steps, and there are five cops there. They're doing a search. And I've seen them kind of look at each other when they saw me coming. So they figure, okay, they're going to mess with the black man. So they tell me, can they look at my bag? Now, I know that they have a greater right to search in the subway. So I said, maybe a contradiction to what I'm telling the witnesses of the people. I said, go ahead, you know. And so mm-hmm. I, he says, open the front. So I open the front. And the other guy yelled behind me, no, he told you the front. At that point, I back away from the bag and say, you figure out what the front is, and when you finish, let me know. Mm-hmm. They're looking at me. And then the sergeant mm-hmm. picks up, you know, I think we might got the wrong guy here. And so then they mm-hmm. hands me the bag, and the sergeant says to me, well, you know, what kind of metro card do you have? That's the train pass. I said, I have a day-to-day. He says, okay, well, then you can go through the gate for free this morning. Don't worry about it. I said, no, thank you. I picked up my bag and looked to him and said, I'm not going through that gate because I don't want to get shot in my back. Uh-huh. And the cop looked at me, and I looked at him, and I used my metro card, and I kept on going. Because by mm-hmm. giving me a free ride, what the mm-hmm. police officer wanted me to do was to be complicit with what the, what they were doing that morning. I, I just sort of refused. Now, as much as I was annoyed with them for doing this, and as much as I knew that them stopping me with my suit and tie on and my briefcase was ridiculous, I knew that it was a part of a bigger game. And I said, okay, yeah. we're going to play this thing out. As opposed to, now, you know you're not supposed to be stopping me. The bop, 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 bop. That's a loser's game. Yeah. I'm not coming yeah. out of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when when uh, Chief Dixon was on, he made the point. You cannot win a fight with a cop. You can't. Not on the street. So this, no, 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 no. No, I mean, you can't win a, well, by that I mean you can't win a, a physical fight. You can't win a gun win. battle. You can't win. We're on the same page. Period. Yeah, you can't win that battle. So don't even don't go there. Don't even go there. Don't even go there. You you you, you don't even go there. But you do have a right to insist on what the law allows you to do, which is, i.e., no, you can't search me. No, I want a lawyer. I I'm not going to give you a statement. No, you cannot. You know, like don't let them do anything else, or at least maintain your 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 position. And I forgot who it was. I don't. I remember the great Donald Temple was on, and, and during that time, it was doing, you know, something. Somebody else had just got shot, and uh, they were saying if you're in a car and you're a black man, you put your. Oh, the chief of police said, when I'm stopped by a cop, I put my hands out the window, both hands out the window <laughs> when the cop. No, the chief of police said that, and and he said because he's a black man, you know, and he said, right. and he and he tells the police officer. I am a police officer, and I have a gun. He tells right. them. So if you see a gun, don't start shooting, you know, uh, right. because there have been situations where uh, I think it was Donald Temple got a couple million dollars for four cops that were black police officers who were accosted by other police officers, even I though they told them that they were police they, officers. They were cops. They were cops, and they still got mistreated by them while they paid some money. Um, this has been great. Yes. yes. Uh-huh. I know I know that we're running out of time, and I did want to say this. Yes. I would say to the people that are listening in that we, not to be discouraged by these times. You know, the caller told us about the Internet and 
social media, you know, this we need to be inspired by injustice, not defeated or subdued by it. And we need to find ways to equip ourselves to overcome this challenge that's before us as a part of the legacy that we've had in this country since we've been here. Mm-hmm. We are we are confront we need to be confronting today's challenges and with the same vigor as our parents and grandparents and great grandparents dealt with their circumstances. And so people as much as we are offended and heartbroken by every time we turn on the news an- another situation, we need to change that energy into positive action and to recognize that if we don't benefit from ourselves, maybe our children and grandchildren will, and that we are doing what we can to make the promise of America come true for for for, for them. And we do mm-hmm. that by our we do that by our collective knowledge and our collective energy. There are people in this world, like your caller in London, never knew Anthony Rico. But you find that there are kindred spirits uh, out there, people with experience and knowledge. I'm a kid from Harlem. I've been practicing 34 years old. Oh, I used to be a kid from Harlem. Mm-hmm. And the time goes by, and what we discover is, well, Tony Rico gets to meet Ethel. And Ethel knows someone yeah. else. And then we mm-hmm. begin to realize that there are a lot of us out here. We're yeah, out they here. Really are. They really and are. So I, I'm yeah. really so happy that, you know, we, we met, you know, this week and connected by a fabulous lawyer who practices here. Yeah, Ron Garnett. I love him. Yeah, he's in my class. Yes, indeed. I'm so, yeah. if you're listening, Ron, thank you so much for recommending Attorney Rico for the program. That, that was just really, really great. Yes. Let me give out your office number, if you don't mind, so people do want to reach you. Is that all right? Uh, uh, you can reach Attorney Anthony Rico, that's R-I-C-C-O, at 212-791-3919. That's 212-791-3919. Uh, 